the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to today's edition of The Plumb Line, brought to you by Reasons for Hope, training and equipping a new generation to stand boldly on the Word of God. You can find information about them at r4h.com. That's the letter R, then F-O-R-H.com. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and the broadcast today I'll be joined by Hope Bollinger, and we'll talk about cohabitation from a biblical worldview, based upon a column she wrote about that. You can reach me at this email address anytime, the Plumline Radio at gmail.com. Plum is P-L-U-M-B, the Plumline Radio at gmail.com. Support for The Plum Line is provided by these fine business sponsors, EPS Wealth Management of Phoenix, who serves clients in several states. Call them for a no-cost, no-obligation conversation about your financial concerns, 623-537-3657. And Simple Turn, their online health resources teach your kids how health really works and how to avoid 90% of chronic disease. Get your family's free health course at mysimpleturn.com. Well, all of you in the Plumline listening family hopefully accept what the scriptures teach. That doesn't mean you have to sleep like the ancient Israelites did, with a rock for a pillow and palm branches or fig leaves for a covering. You can rest in the comfort of my pillow sheets, mattress topper, comforters and blankets, and of course pillows, while dressed in your cozy, comfy my pillow pajamas. And if you call to order right now, you can save up to 80% on many of their fine products by using the Plumline promo code. Just call this number, 800-613-6167, and the promo code will be entered in for you, 800-613-6167. Or simply visit this link, mypillow.com slash plumbline. That's mypillow.com slash plumbline. And don't forget the B at the end of plum, P-L-U-M-B, mypillow.com slash plumbline. On today's edition of The Plum Line, I'm excited to be joined once again by Hope Bollinger. Hope is an author, an acquisitions editor, and she's done some writing and other things in the past for Crosswalk.com, and it is that that we're going to be referring to, a piece that she wrote for Crosswalk.com, dealing with cohabitation. This is a topic that I think is of great importance to be addressed in in my number of years in radio broadcasting, especially in the news angle that I've held in the past, I've talked about this a lot, biblical reasons why cohabitation is not a good idea. And Hope wrote this column, Christians and Cohabitation, What You Need to Know. Again, you can find it at crosswalk.com if you want to look it up, and we're going to use that for an outline. So welcome to the broadcast. Good to have you back on, Hope. 
Yeah, thank you so much for having me here again. Yeah, and for those who maybe missed our first visit, we have chatted in the past about Christian writing, specifically, I guess, Christian fiction in particular, of which you do quite a bit and have a great talent for that. And so that is something that people can look up when they go places where you go for podcasts. Take Spotify, for example. Just go to Spotify, put in the plumb line with Jay Rudolph. You can look up uh, Hope's name, Hope Bollinger, or maybe look up uh, Christian fiction. Those are some search uh, key terms, I guess, you could put in, and that should come up so you can listen to that one as well. But let's get moving along here on the topic we want to talk about this time, Hope. And maybe I should start here. I I know, and we talked about this a little bit last time, that you're pretty young, (laughs) so 20s, I'm guessing, but you don't have to give me the exact age here. But is that part of the reason why this cohabitation subject came up? Because you have a lot of friends maybe that are asking about it or maybe even doing it. Yeah, this is a great question. So yeah, in mid-20s, I guess we won't specify where in the mid-20s. <laughs> so when I had worked for Crosswalk, because I still do freelance for them, they had me do quite a bit of articles on singles, on relationships, on dating. And so this topic had been brought up by my editor. They'd asked me if I was comfortable writing on this. And I have had a number of friends who either have cohabited in the past or are currently doing it right now. And so it definitely was a timely topic to write on for sure. Mm. Yeah, and you start off right away with some stats, uh, one in particular that I want to bring up, and this is a few years old, but I'm sure it's fairly similar research still today. 2019 Pew Research, you say, reported that a majority, 58% of white evangelicals said cohabitation is acceptable if a couple plans to marry. And we're going to spend a good amount of time talking about that aspect as well, the fact that cohabitation from a biblical perspective is really not acceptable for male-female, even if the couple does plan to marry. And we'll get into that more in just a little bit, but that's the statistic that you kind of start off with here. So maybe talk about that a little bit first. Because I had written this article, I think about a year ago, and I definitely was blown away by that statistic. I think that was the most up-to-date statistic I could find on this subject specifically at the time. But I remember being pretty impressed in a bad way by that number because I'd known a number of Christians who had said, well, I don't really see what the big deal is. You know, we're not even planning on having sex. We just need, you know, for financial reasons we're doing this. So I was interested at that number because I just figured I just knew some exceptions to the rule. But it turns out that a lot of people within the evangelical world think that this is just fine or that it's not really that big of a deal. Hmm. Well, let me ask you this then, and it may be something that you haven't researched and don't really know a lot about, but even from your own personal experience, you may be able to answer because I'm not in my uh, mid-20s any longer, and so you have a lot more familiarity with that age group. And so what do you think lends to so many, and, and this statistic isn't just talking about the younger group either. This is a majority of, I'm sure, of, of all ages of white evangelicals, but still I have a feeling, and, and you point this out too, that uh, in fact, uh, I'll just read the line, you say, views and cohabitation become noticeably less Christian among younger respondents. And so that's the question I want to get at. Why do you think that is? Is the younger generation not getting trained in these things? Is it just the fact that they are younger and so they maybe see this differently? Or what do you think? I think it's coming from a lot of different angles. So first of all, I'm going to approach it from the angle that I recently have been engaged. So I can actually understand the temptation to just 
try to get together as soon as possible. And prior to, you know, marriage, that temptation, I think, is always on the table for anyone who is in a long-term relationship. But I think it's coming from a couple of different things. I think there's a financial aspect with the economy just increasingly getting worse. There's this idea that, well, you know, we're sharing the house bills, the utilities, that it just is a financially smart decision for some people in their minds. I think that is one. I think it's that it's so popular in media just to see the progression of, you know, you date someone and then you live with someone and then you marry that someone that's been perpetuated in media for decades, that that's just the natural progression of relationships according to media. So I think that's part of it. I do think it has become more of a taboo topic with younger generations where, They just are not even open to talking about it. Or even if you try to open up that conversation, they'll say, well, you can do what you want to do, but this is how I'm going to do this. So I think it's a number of different things that can come at it from that angle. So I think, you know, they'll give you a number of reasons for why they feel that they are okay to go ahead and do this prior to marriage. And it can range from economic reasons to just, well, I just want to at this point. Yeah, and I certainly hear that economic aspect a lot of late, too, with the younger generation, even the older generation that may be living together, too. That can be part of the reason. So first off, congrats on getting engaged. That's uh, awesome. (laughs) So let me ask you this, then, because it sounds like you and your future husband here have done this the biblical way. And so how difficult was that? And why did you choose to not cohabitate? Yeah, this is a great question because we're actually a unique circumstance where we're doing a distance relationship. So our plan is that we're going to be moving to a completely different state that neither of us has lived in before. So, you know, the temptation is just to buy a house in that state and just move in prior to the marriage. But we knew that that just wasn't right. We also knew that even if we had gone into that deciding, you know, we're still going to save ourselves until marriage, we knew the temptation would be really, really strong and very difficult to resist, which I know gets talked about later in the article. So we just, we were really clear with each other um, from the start of dating that, you know, we're never going to be alone in a compromised situation like that, whether we're cohabitating or not, just to block any temptation of that kind prior to marriage. Mm, Yeah, great. Well, let's get right into the scriptures here, because you start off, I appreciate that, right away with the biblical reasons, what the Bible has to say about it, and that's what we're really concerned. All, you know, our human opinions about this or how we feel about it really don't make any difference. You know, we can certainly share those, but it's really what the Bible says that makes the difference here. And so begin, as you do in the column here, with a little bit of an examination about uh, biblical times and a, a Jewish wedding, Jewish marriage in particular. And I've seen this played out, and I think it's called Before the Wrath or something. There's a film, actually, which talks primarily about Jesus's return, but it also pulls in the Jewish marriage and and kind of correlates that with Jesus's return, and you kind of do that as well in this. Talk with us a little bit about this context here that you have when you start off what the Bible has to say about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I actually, as I was reviewing for this article prior to this, I did realize that there was potentially one example of someone who was living with someone who was not their husband. And that was the story of the woman at the well, where Jesus had mentioned that she was living with a man who was not her husband. So I know in the article at the time, I said the Bible didn't have a lot to say about it. That could be a potential example. But in terms of cohabitation versus the marriage model, I think something that we do have to really keep in mind that scripture makes it clear is that marriage is often 
symbolizing Christ's relationship with the church. And that's why the marriage covenant is so important is because in a marriage, we are essentially imitating that relationship that Christ has with his people. So that's why a lot of times cohabitation is unnatural because you're basically practicing that before the covenant is made. So in the article, I talk about how when someone essentially had asked a bride to marry him, he would immediately start working on building an apartment in addition to his father's house so that when the apartment was finished, they essentially could move into that. And they would do that when the marriage ceremony had you know, been complete when they had established that covenant between the bride and the groom. So there really wasn't much an idea of cohabitation in biblical times, or if in the case of the Samaritan woman, it was seen as unnatural, or this is not the way that we do things, because the marriage covenant was just so sacred that it had made sense to people in biblical times that you would move in after you got married. Yeah, exactly. And you point out in here that, and this is kind of the similarity too, it is called Before the Wrath. I did find that uh, beforetherath.com people can look up and they use this process for the Jewish bride and groom here as an example because that basically relates to the coming of our Lord to call us up in, in the rapture is what the, the video is really all about. And so when you say the bride would wait and wait until her groom came back, which could have been at any time of day or night, just like, uh, mm-hmm. well, depending upon your end times view, I guess, just like the rapture. It could be any time, any moment that could take place. So I appreciate how you pull that in. You also say when Jesus tells his disciples that he's going to prepare a place for you, he's using wedding language. And so mm-hmm. when we see that and we realize that that is also the, the pattern, too, that we should follow, there is not permission, really, scripturally, to move in together and live together, even if you are planning to get married in the future. And so that's just one of many places in Scripture where we can say that the Bible makes that case, right? Oh, yeah, I would absolutely agree. Scripture is really clear about what a marriage should be, uh, what that marriage model looks like, and that you shouldn't be participating in any married activities, really, prior to that marriage. Mm, Yeah, well, let's continue to tackle this the way that you do here, and then we're going to have to take a break here in just a moment, but uh, let me get into a little bit of this, and then we'll address some other aspects. So you next move into the aspect of this that the Bible does have a great deal to say about having sex before marriage. And cohabitation, of course, not always, but certainly can lead to sexual relations between the couple. And you also say it's often implied, you know, people basically assume that if they see that you're living together. And so talk to us a little bit about some of the scriptures that you bring up in regards to why the Bible speaks against having sex before marriage. Of course. So there are quite a few verses that we had pulled for this particular article that talked a lot about sexual relations and keeping sexually pure prior to marriage. So I think one that is really poignant that we should probably point out here is First Corinthians 7, when Paul is talking to unmarried and the widows. And what he essentially had said is if they are really burning up with passion, they should marry because it's better to marry than to burn up with passion. Paul acknowledges that we've been given this gift that we may burn up with passion for someone that God has placed in our lives, but to essentially keep ourselves from temptation from committing any sexual acts prior to marriage, we move forward with that marriage with the intention to wait for that. There are a number of other verses we pointed out, such as Hebrews. 13.4, which had said that the marriage bed should be kept pure. 
and also First Thessalonians 4, 7, which says that God has called us to live a holy life. And then in Ephesians 5, another letter of Paul, talking about how there shouldn't even be a hint of sexual immorality or impurity. So, you know, even if we say, well, I'm not having sex with this person, even if there are hints of it, it could lead people to temptation. It could lead down a spiritually tricky path. So scripture has plenty to say. I didn't even include all of it. I know I linked another article that's plenty of verses on keeping sexually pure prior to marriage. But scripture is really clear that this is just something that really matters to God, that he intentionally put this type of covenant in place and that it could be spiritually detrimental to break that covenant prior to having a marriage covenant. Mm, yeah, exactly. And that Ephesians 5, 3 one that you brought up is one that I typically refer to, too, when I'm speaking with someone about this, that aspect of not even a hint of sexual immorality. And so I'm going to bring that back up after the break here, and we'll talk about that a little bit more and some other aspects of this as well with my guest, Hope Bollinger, as we talk about cohabitation from a biblical worldview. I really appreciate you and the listening audience joining us for this. And if you have any questions or comments, thoughts you want to share about the broadcast, you can reach out to me via email. The address is theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Remember, plum has a B at the end of it, so it's P-L-U-M-B, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. I'd love to hear from you, and stay tuned. Have you ever tried to buy gold and silver and felt like you were talking to a used car salesman? That's because the precious metals industry is like the Wild West. Salesmen can say pretty much anything or make any promise they want without repercussion. But Genesis Gold Group is different. They're a faith-driven Christian precious metals company and believe in educating their customers, not pressuring them for a quick sale. Genesis Gold Group focuses on customer service, not sleazy marketing. Genesis Gold Group is named after the first book of the Bible for a reason. Proper stewardship of wealth is their specialty. Find out why they've earned a 5 out of 5 rating through the Better Business Bureau and how they can help you secure your wealth or retirement through physical precious metals. Call right now to learn more. 800-239-8132 That's 800-239-8132 I am so pleased to have Reasons for Hope as the national sponsor of The Plum Line. The mission of both of our ministries is to proclaim the gospel and to train people to look at every topic and issue from a biblical worldview. You can discover more about their many fabulous resources and their debunked video series or request one of the R4H speakers for your event or maybe attend an Equip Youth Retreat or Rally all at r4h.com. To learn about the Plum Line's partnership with Reasons for Hope, check out the blog postings at r4h.com, and you can find the Plum Line station directory and podcast link at r4h.com slash theplumline. Be sure to leave a note saying thanks to Reasons for Hope for supporting the Plum Line. Thanks for joining me for The Plum Line today. I'm your host, Jay Rudolph, and I'm joined by Hope Bollinger, who is an author, and she writes books in particular, but she has also written some columns, and one that she wrote for Crosswalk that you can find at crosswalk.com is our focus here. It's called Christians and Cohabitation, What You Need to Know as we look at this important subject of cohabitation from a biblical worldview. And I've mentioned that, really, I've found that 
people of all ages are choosing to live together. And for a variety of reasons, you know, I know older couples that uh, some really old couples, they're in their 80s or something, they feel like, well, we're not going to go through this whole marriage thing. And it still does not make it right. It's difficult, especially people of that age and that, you know, that maturity and the wisdom that they have and things. It's difficult to kind of even bring this up with them. And I hope they'll listen to the broadcast here and think about it because it's not right if you're in your 80s. It's not right if you're in your 20s or any time for man and woman to live together. I guess the one caveat or one exception maybe that I could say is obviously if there's family members, in fact, I know a man and a woman that live together where they're, I think, cousins or something like that, but we won't even go that direction here, I guess. Scripture probably doesn't really speak about that. We're talking about people who are unrelated, male and female, living together. And part of the reason is, and I'll go back to this here, hope that Ephesians 5, 3 and that statement there about not even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity. And so some people say, well, we're not going to have sex. And, you know, if other people think that, that's their problem. It's not our problem. But, well, the Bible doesn't seem to say that because that hint of sexual immorality is going to be there if you're doing that, isn't it? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I had run into a number of people in the past who had abstained from having sex when they were cohabitating. But at the same time, they knew that a lot of people were just assuming that they were going right ahead and doing that. So a lot of times when people come to me and say, well, you know, we're not planning on doing it. We're doing it for economic reasons. We're doing it for whatever reasons. I often think of the Ephesians 4.27 verse that talks about not letting the devil get a foothold. Because I think a lot of times when it comes to relationships, especially when you're in the dating phase, or even when you're engaged, people can ask, well, how far can I go? How far am I allowed to go before it counts as sinful or before it counts as something? And I think a lot of times if we ask ourselves those questions, we're already trying to push those boundaries, whatever they are. Yeah, I've always said that's the wrong question to be asking. The real question should be, you know, how can I stay closer to Christ? Not how far can I go away from him, but how can I stay closer to him? So, exactly. And I appreciate how you bring up Joseph. I know this, but our listeners may not be familiar. What's the deal with Joseph that you bring up? Joseph in Potiphar's wife, I'm assuming. Yep, you got it. Yes, absolutely. So if any listeners are unfamiliar with that story, uh, there is a man in the Bible named Joseph, not the Joseph who is married to Mary, but Joseph from the Old Testament. And he was a slave in Egypt. He was an Israelite who had been sold into slavery in Egypt. And he was working for a man named Potiphar. And Potiphar's wife kept trying to seduce him, kept trying to get him to commit sexual acts with her. And Joseph adamantly refused. He actually fled the scene just because he knew that he needed to be as far away from temptation as possible. And so a lot of times I think we can be the opposite of Joseph when we're trying to see how much we can push boundaries, see how far we can go uh, before we think it counts as sinful. So Joseph is a model that we should follow in the Bible where he doesn't even allow temptation to get near him when it comes to this particular subject. Mm, yeah, amen. He's a good example of what we're talking about, because uh, I think he even makes this statement, you know, how could I do this and sin against my master, the master of the house, which was the husband of the, the lady who was trying to seduce him here, and then he also said, and sin against my God as well. And so he refused to do that because of what we just said. He wanted to stay close to his God instead of pushing the boundaries here. And so that's something that you really need to think about if you're in that stage of already 
cohabiting or considering cohabitation. Where does your commitment lie? Where does your desire lie? Does it desire in pleasing the one who saved you, who went to the cross and took your sin upon himself? And in fact, I think what we'll do here, Hope, is let's close out, if you don't mind, with you basically relating the gospel for us, because that should be our goal, and that's what we should be focused on when we're considering anything, is how we can live to please Christ, the one who died for us, right? Oh, yeah. I, you know, I think what marks a really good Christian relationship is putting God at the center of it and, you know, putting God ahead of all things. And then if you channel everything through that mindset, then you'll realize, okay, I won't do X, Y, Z thing because I know that is not honoring to God. So, yeah, I think one of the best questions to ask in a Christian relationship is, is this bringing honor to God? Is this something that God would want? Is this something God is leading me to do? What does the gospel say? Always take it back to the gospel. Hmm. Yeah, and I'm just thinking if there's one tuning in right now, maybe just happened to be flipping through the radio dial and heard we're talking about cohabitation here and wanted to hear what we had to say about it. Well, it's really what God has to say about it that's important, as I said earlier. But if you're one who's considering that, and maybe you don't have a relationship with Christ, so you don't see the value of living for what the Scriptures have to say, I would love to connect with you here because Jesus Christ is the Son of God. He is the perfect, sinless Savior who died on a cross to pay the penalty for your sin. All have sinned. I have sinned. You have sinned. We all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, the Scriptures say. And because of that fact, we need redemption. We need forgiveness of sins if we are going to spend eternity in heaven with our Creator. And so Jesus went to the cross and took our sins upon himself, and he wants a relationship with you. And that's at its core is the gospel. All you need to do is believe, believe in the Lord Jesus, and receive this free gift of grace that is offered to you. We are saved by grace through faith, not by works, so that no one can boast, as the scriptures tell us. And so that, briefly anyway, is the gospel, and I want to communicate with you more about that, if that's something that is kind of unfamiliar to you, or if you've never received Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Reach out to me at that email address that I gave earlier, theplumlineradio at gmail.com, theplumlineradio at gmail.com. Hope Bollinger has been my guest for this edition of The Plumline Discussing Cohabitation. And there was a second part to this broadcast as well, but you'll need to go to the place where you go for podcasts to find that. Take Spotify, for example. Just go to Spotify, look up The Plumline with Jay Rudolph, and you can hear the second part of this in which we address myths regarding cohabitation with my guest Hope Bollinger. So look that up on Spotify. The Plum Line with Jay Rudolph. And we'll see you next time on The Plum Line. The Plum Line has been sponsored by Reasons for Hope. Check them out at r4h.com. Three star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to, he understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.